Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, who apparently is a Los Angeles Clippers fan now. And we are a belly up sports podcast, but we are what they aren't. Brandon, did the love for the Miami Heat die out, sir? Uh, LJ, no, you know, this is just a hat that a friend gave me and I've been wearing. Uh, It's a very nice hat. No, I'm actually looking to switch NBA affiliations as I kind of fell out of touch with the heat the last couple of years. LJ, I'll have you know that I'm very close to jumping on the Oklahoma City Thunder bandwagon, which I hope makes you happy. Very, if I need to do a pitch, I will. I will prepare a pitch for well, you. It's between you guys and probably the Houston Rockets because I just love the young you than the Rockets. I love the young talent. <laughs> I just love the young talent and I know that the that the Thunder, their 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 future rests on the fifth graders that are playing right now. So um and the nice thing about them too, and this is the thing I say to everyone who's like, you can't build based on just having a ton of picks you can't have like five picks in each draft and build a team that way that's not the the way the thunder will operate and i already know that easily because this has been one of the more aggressive front offices in like the last decade in terms of making big moves so there's no doubt in my mind that once they feel they have the core together they're going to go out and do something crazy with what they're the rest of their picks they're not going to just sit on them like uh, Danny Ainge did and wait till the time ran out or pick the wrong guy like they did with Kyrie Irving but we had baseball tonight we had NBA daily what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) it was open night tonight I mean come on (laughs) Brandon do you think you mentally handle starting up NBA daily right now doing another hundred some odd days of my 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 MBA takes would it would just be so egregious you would you would fall out of the chair, it would be bad because a lot of the the talks that I have with my friends now revolve around MBA stuff. They aren't very tuned into the MLB playoffs. I usually have it on my laptop, but we have something else like NFL or NBA on the main screen. But you're right. Uh, a lot of baseball to cover tonight. A lot of big news. Yeah. Uh, so let's go LJ, ahead. LJ, take her right away. 
Yeah, we're going to start with the Red Sox Astros because I have some rather strong, or it's not even strong initial opinions. It's as strong recurring opinions on this and how, despite I just read a report earlier that the ratings have taken a huge bounce back this postseason, which is great for the game. That's still not helping the game. What's not actually, it's, might be hurting the game more to have more people see what's going on in these games. Um, top of the, in the first inning, the Astros and the Red Sox trade home runs first off with the bat of Alex Bregman. And then Xander Bogarts gets his first two RBIs of this series with a solo or a two run fly, excuse me, that also scores Rafael Devers. It's a two one Boston lead. At this point, Zach Ranke did not look good so far. Was probably not intended to pitch more than twice through the order at maximum on this evening. He ends up giving up a hit, to, a hit which is the home run, as well as three walks in an inning and a third. Clearly wasn't looking good, so they decided to pull him after that first time through the order and move to the bullpen. And the bullpen, I have to admit, pitched fantastic. Christian Javier goes three innings, two hits, two walks, three strikeouts. The only other hits in this game came in the ninth inning, which did not, we will talk about in a minute, did not really matter. So they effectively three hit this team that had been red hot. So props to them. Brandon, you can agree. Baseball, it's not that shocking to see a team go cold for a, at least for a game. With how no. great they've been, with how great they've been playing, I cannot complain about the offense because of one game. Yeah, you know, you guys have been spoiled enough with your offense, and I'm saying this as a Yankees fan. I I wish we could have half of some of what these offensive uh, games that you guys have had <laughs> throughout this playoff series, especially against Tampa. Uh, but man, once again, the Astros, this pitching like. Dusty Baker's got to be on plan Z at this point. Like, what is it? Zach Granke gets you four outs and no strikeouts, allows the home run to Xander Bogarts, which might I uh, add, that was an absolute moonshot over the green monster. I don't know what the the official distance on that was, but it was very far indeed. Uh they then turn it over to Brooks Raley, who looked good in those two outs he gets in the second. And then Christian Javier, uh, LJ, looked really, really sharp tonight. Uh, in those three innings he pitched, uh, it was exactly what the Astros needed, finally, uh, out, of, out of one of these guys, is to actually get them a couple of innings. LJ, would you be shocked if I told you that Christian Javier's three innings – is the most outs that a Astros pitcher has gotten in this series this year, or in the in this series here? Um, is it because yes. no? Framber Valdez went more than slightly more than three. It's been the last three games. Oh, in game the, one, Framber, yeah. Yeah, game one, Framber did it, and then since then, oh, uh, Framber went two and two thirds. So no. Oh, okay, no, okay. So I got that stat wrong. Then my bad. So yeah, the last three games, the starter has not gone more gone six outs. But any pitcher on the Astros has not pitched more than has not gotten through three full innings this entire series. So it's it's amazing, and you know, even with that eating innings, that's part of why we'll get into what happened to lead to the 
uh, Astros tying this series up, but I'm not panicking because you look at the guys that they love to use here. I mean, Brooks really didn't get that much use, but he's been seen a lot in this series. Everyone's been seen a lot in this series, but really these last three guys of this group, Phil Matone, Kendall, Kendall Graveman and Ryan Presley are three guys that they like to use a lot. They go to, have to go to Graveman for two innings. Matone gets an inning after pitching quite a bit last night. And in terms of pitches, Ryan Presley ends up throwing 22 pitches today in a day that wasn't was supposed to be kind of a light work. So I still feel like they're they're chipping away at this bullpen exactly how they want to. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Nick Pavetta goes five strong here, five innings, two hits, one earned, two walks, and three strikeouts. The bullpen goes pretty strong until, again, you know, we talked about it before. There's just not a lot of depth. I'd have to assume, based on this, that Hansel Robles was not ready to go tonight after pitching. I think he pitched all three games in the series before this. So he was not out there. And instead, they go to Whitlock for two innings, and they go to him in the seventh and eighth, which already had me confused for what was going to happen in the ninth. He ends up giving up a home run to, was that Jose Altuve? Yes. That was Jose Altuve that hits the home run. And then they go to Eovaldi with a tie game in the ninth. And Brandon, this is where things get interesting. Um, can I can I add one thing on Altuve? Yep. Two hits this series, both game-tying home runs. He's hitting 125 this series with, with two massive home runs. Just talk about uh, coming up clutch when it counts. The dude sucks when, it's, when, when he doesn't need the team to have a big hit. And then when he needs – and then when they finally need it, he's just like, okay, I'll just rip a home run. The only detraction I'll make, because I still I – I genuinely do think that – Jose Altuve is a really good player, like really, really good player. The only attraction I will make is in terms of the clutch factor, that clutch a player would not find a way to choke every single big defensive play he's gotten in the series. Like he's a clutch uh, that, hitter. I'll was, say that clutch yeah, hitter. That's what I was making fun of him so much for yesterday is like, that was an atrocious error in a huge moment of that game. And I think he ended up with two and two in that. But anyway, I digress. We are now in the ninth, and Nathan Evaldi comes in to replace Garrett Whitlock. Carlos Correa gets to him early. This is the really, as far as I'm concerned, the only mistake he truly made in this one. He gets strikes out Kyle Tucker here, a big one. And then um, they decide to intentionally walk Yuli Gurriel as you've got Carlos Correa at second. And you really don't want to put the best contact hitter in the American League up to the plate where he just needs some form of knock to be able to put their, his team up. And so now you have Oledmis Diaz up. They strike out Oledmis Diaz. And now you've got Jason Castro at the plate. They get this right down. They get Jason Castro down to two strikes. And this is where the game goes a little goes wonky even more than it was, which we'll get back to a couple other points here. The fourth pitch of this at bat clearly crosses the corner on both sides. Clear, clear strike, clear missed call. And this would have struck him out to end the inning, sent the Red Sox with a tie game to the bottom. 
And, you know, you've got Nathan Evaldi in here on short rest in a high, high leverage situation. And, you know, all of a sudden, I think that was, that was a huge blow to his morale, to his head. And he gives up a mistake here to Jason Castro that scores the go-ahead run. He then walks Altuve before they decide to bring in Martin Perez to replace him. And at this point, things are going downhill. All hell breaks loose. Martin Perez allows all four runners that Ivaldi allowed on to score and allows two more earned himself to get us to the 9-2 final score here. Brandon, I, I let me preface this for everybody so it does not sound like I'm whining because I fully acknowledge and accept that the Red Sox lost the game. They did not do what they needed to do to win. Five hits in a game is not what you need to do to win. And I'm not saying that they should have won with the performance that they put out there. However, this is just another disappoint, another disappointment, maybe because it's the first time I'm seeing one, maybe because it's the, it's the worst one we've had so far, at least in terms of the feel as a person who watched the whole game, even when we were winning, I will admit I did see it. It felt like the umps were at the center of the entire game. And that's the one thing that's, I feel like many, it should be many people's pet peeves. It's always been mine. It's been, I've learned it from my family over the years as well. The umpires should basically be in, umpires or referees in a game should basically be invisible. They weren't tonight. 21 balls and strikes missed by Laz Diaz today. And then there was, of course, the other controversial play, which I think Brandon was referencing before we got on. And I just realized, I'm sorry, we, we had a long conversation about this that I forget which was and wasn't recorded. Um, basically, J.D. Martinez is at the plate. You've got a runner on first. The runner decides to steal with a full count. And Brandon, I believe me when I say, unless you've, you've probably seen it already, the ball is blatantly, clearly off the plate. It, it, it was pretty obvious to see that it was off. And so J.D. Martinez goes and think, thinking he's got the walk, goes and starts walking towards first base. Meanwhile, Verdugo's stealing second. Martin Maldonado pops up to try to throw out Verdugo, and Martinez walks directly in his way. Somehow, neither of the right calls got made in that situation. And I don't understand that because, you know, as much as I would rather it not be against me and I would have been that mad, ball didn't cross over the plate. I just watched the overhead view. It did not cross the plate. It didn't come close to crossing the plate. Everyone and their mother could tell that that wasn't a strike. And so that should have been the first, that was the first mistake. The fact that he did not get that walk that should have clearly been a walk, but then to not even like call and maybe he could he, could he call it? even if Martin Maldonado didn't throw the ball because he pump faked when J.D. Martinez walked in front of him. Well, he pump faked so that he didn't drill him in the head with the ball. No, no, I know. But like if he had tried to throw it or throw it around him and missed, would he have gotten the interference call instead? Probably because, not, honestly. Because uh, I mean, I, either way, that's, it's not excusable that if, if you believe it's a strike, you need to call the interference there because – 
there's no doubt in my mind that let's say that goes right down the middle and J.D. Martinez walks in front of the catcher, that's absolutely interference. So either way, if we're pretending this is a strike, that, need, that call needs to be made. And he missed, he missed into the lefty batter. All right, not into it, but on the lefty batter box side, he missed outside consistently throughout the entire game. It was like he just extended the strike zone an inch and a half. And as much as it was consistently bad, it was so noticeable that it, it made you remember that the umpires were constantly in this game. And I think that's a shame. And you're right. So out of the 21 calls that he got wrong, uh, 12 of them were thrown on, were thrown by Red Sox pitchers. So the Red Sox got the better of the calls or more quantity of the calls. We're going to get, they, they got the quantity of the calls that were wrong. However, the one that matters, they absolutely did not get, which is the only thing that matters in this. But it's certainly worth worth noting that the Les Diaz was favoring the Red Sox in this game up until that J.D. Martinez call, which is one for the Astros, and of course the one to Jason Castro, which everyone can can see. Uh, that was a that was a pretty close call. I also want to make sure before you keep going. I want to make sure this is very clear again. I'm I'm making this statement and calling out this Laz Diaz and this crew right now, not because I'm a mad Red Sox fan, because we did not do what it took to win this game. We got flat out outplayed by this Astros bullpen tonight. I'm not doing this as an angry Red Sox fan as much as I am doing this because this isn't good for the product of the sport in its in its biggest moment. How many times on Sunday night baseball this year did we see the wrong call get made at the end of the game? I think back to April, the second Monday night baseball or uh, Sunday night baseball of the year. Phillies Braves. Did Reese Hoskins foot ever touch home plate? And it's like, no. And they challenge and they, and they still get it wrong. I think back to the Sunday night game me and you were at. Was that a strike on Rugnet Odor? No. And they get it wrong in the biggest part of the game. And look, LJ, I know you're going to hate me for saying this. There was robo-umps. If there was robo-umps, none of this would be would be wrong. And, you know, Brandon, you're starting to get me with this because I just – I was – Finally, I was looking through the lens of the regular season, but everybody knows that just even from the start of the wild card game, there is a huge up in viewership. All of the, you know, the pink hats, if you're Red Sox fans, whatever the. Um, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Fairweather fan stereotype is for the Yankees, even just people that aren't really interested in baseball, but are just going to watch the postseason because it's the postseason. You get a huge influx of viewers during that time. You get an opportunity. You get one month 
to show them why they should be watching for the entire season next year, all 162 games. And they keep putting themselves in positions with the umpiring crews where they're putting a bad product out on the field because of them, not the players. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. And LJ, you know, the one thing that I'm sure is there's going to be a ton of accountability for, for this, I'm sure, right? Les, Les Diaz and the umpires, I'm for sure, will come out tomorrow and say, oh, you know, the, yeah, we, we, we totally blew the game. And if you, if, you can't tell my sar- if you can't tell my sarcasm, there's going to be absolutely zero accountability from this whatsoever. Les, the only reason Les Diaz won't be umpiring tomorrow night's game is because he, for- he forgot his second package of Depends in Houston and he has to fly back together. <laughs> Red Sox fans edited Laz Diaz's Wikipedia page. Laz Antonia Diaz Jr. is the worst American umpire in Major League Baseball, wearing number 63, a reference to his year of birth, as well as his, I, as well as his IQ. Though it was later, it was later, <laughs> I, I, though it was later revealed he lied about that, and his IQ is actually 26. He is married to the Houston Astros. He is completely incompetent and a disgrace to baseball who blew a game single-handedly in the 2021 ALCS. And then under his career highlights and awards, special assignments, biggest bozo award, 2021. See Red Sox, I can see some Red Sox fans are taking this very good. Uh, yeah, just the umpiring on every side, every way you look at it, this postseason has been bad. LJ, we need to talk about though. Okay, so you so uh, clearly the wrong call on Jason Castro, but then what the hell happened? I mean, you know, Brandon, if you don't laugh, you cry, and uh, you just get to a point where I think all of them, all of them saw that pitch. It's not hard to see that call from most spots on that field. They all see Nathan Nivaldi more than halfway to the dugout when he realizes that that was not a strikeout. And that is just a gigantic, all of that happened was just a gigantic blow to morale. But I heard somebody say on Twitter, the Red Sox, because the Red Sox really have played a very clean series, a very clean playoffs. They decided rather than playing their normal baseball all playoffs, they're just gonna decide they're just gonna cram all of their mistakes into one inning and leave it there for us. I mean, there was a play where I think it was so let's see, Martin the Perez Royal, comes in the, the game. Oh, oh yeah. Martin Perez, first off, I have to say, all right, he is not a good pitcher. He isn't, but I cannot necessarily blame um Cora for putting him in here because no, I don't. The only one that makes sense because you're not only are you in a losing situation, I'm 90% sure that Hansel Robles was just not available because of yes, because he pitched game one, right? I know for a fact he pitched games two and three. Hansel Robles did pitch game one and he took the loss. Did he pitch game two? Actually, now that I think about it. Game two, Hansel Robles did not pitch. But how many pitches did he throw last night? 
Because there's no reason in my head that he wouldn't have come in there. He threw nine pitches last night. I don't know. There is a reason. It's it's too obvious. Oh, no, no, it was because they they uh, brought in Martin Perez, and then was the f- the first pitch like unloaded the bases. Yeah, first pitch was was that, and then they then he walked. They intentionally walked the next guy so he could face Jordan Alvarez. And then he made a throwing error, which honestly Schwarber should have caught that ball at first base. I don't know what that was. No. Then the no, next play. No. Then oh, the next play. I I I will disagree on that one. He basically threw it into the batter, and for. Okay. Yeah, he that's threw fair. It into the batter. Can you hear me? Yes. You still got me. Yes, I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. He threw it into the batter, and for an inexperienced first baseman, you can't ask for it being thrown like right side by side the batter for him to be able to come. That that is by far that is by far the most difficult catch he's had to all postseason. Um, it should be noted. It should be noted that they called that a single. And then the throwing error allowed uh, him to allow the run to score. So they think that Correa would have beat that out no matter what, which is debatable. Very. Um, um, and then the Arroyo play, that was just a laser through the infield. Yeah, but he was in the shift, though. So that's If you're playing that far back, you got to make that play. I don't know, Brandon, did you see it? Yes, he was he he was in like the shift where you're playing into the outfield. Yes, but there was maximum effort on that ball getting getting to the ball. Who 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 hit that ball? Was that was that Kyle Tucker? I can't remember. Because if it was Kyle, oh, let me see. They went through the lineup so many. Yeah, Jesus. Um. Okay. Yeah, they didn't even call an error on a row. No, that's fair because Kyle Tucker hit the ball 107 miles an hour. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. Um, I I thought that it was uh I thought that that was Jordan Alvarez and I was gonna say it was hit 70 miles an hour. Like that's on 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 no. Um, we want to uh real quick. There's a couple other total side note things that I've noticed from Red Sox general that I thought were incredibly amusing that I want your reaction to. Okay. Did you watch any of the post-game content? I did not, but I'm going to imagine Big Poppy was not happy. It wasn't that. Uh, Red Sox lose. It wasn't that Poppy was unhappy. It was what the fans decided to do after the game. They decide, you know what, we're angry. Who are we going to take out our anger on? Alex Rodriguez. When I tell you there was a mob outside the uh, post-game analysis, like, um, what would that be called? Stage? There was a mob out there chanting, J-Lo, J-Lo, J-Lo. Yikes. For the entire analysis. And, you know, if that doesn't take a little bit of the sting off, what else does? But other things I saw during the day, an update on the Kyle, on the Kyle from Waltham stuff with the Waltham athletics shirt from yesterday. He was made 
a citizen of Waltham today as well. Interesting. I like and, that. Uh, Brandon, I encourage, I, I encourage you and everybody else to go to CBS Sports' TikTok as they did a chronological breakdown of how a baby became went viral at the Red Sox game during game three because he was given a bottle and his father, for some reason, decided while he was drinking his bottle to hold him up in the air like this. And then all of a sudden, the entire bleachers start chanting, chug, 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 until he finished the bottle. And then, oh, I forget which, which step came next. Oh, next came, came MVP. And then, the, he, then he got it on the dance cam where they give out the shoes. And so he ended up getting a new pair of new balances. And it was, it was priceless. I love it. That is. Check it out, CBS Sports. Beautiful. Uh, that you, uh, I don't know what to say. Well, let's get into the game that this National League Championship Series, this game three. Uh, holy crap, what a game this was, LJ. I know that the two games overlapped. Uh, also, all the pace of play people were not happy today. We had, we had Buster Olney tweeting out rules that he wants to introduce into the MLB. Just absolutely crazy rule that he proposed. And I'm going to get to that while doing the breakdown of this game. We got Dodgers Braves. Game three, Charlie Morton versus Walker Bueller. Uh, the Dodgers get to Charlie Morton in the bottom of the first inning. It starts off with a Mookie Betts walk. Next batter's Corey Seager. He homers. Easy 2-0 lead for the Dodgers. We skip to the top of the fourth inning where Walker Bueller has been pitching pretty good, I would say, up until that point. Sure, he allowed a couple of hits in the first inning, but then got a double play, uh, which was very nice. It was like a line drive into center field. Uh, Gavin Locke was able to, to double up Eddie Rosario at second base. Uh, then in the second inning, uh, where he grounded, he was able to work into another double play. So that was good there. Uh, third inning, one, two, three. So he, he, he did uh, start to settle in. We jumped to the fourth where Freddie Freeman leads off with a single. Uh, then with one out, Austin Riley uh, doubles, second and third now. Jock Peterson rips a single. He stays extremely hot against his old team and throughout the whole playoffs. Uh, and the Braves are on the board. It's two to one. Adam Duvall steps up next. He rips a single of his own, uh, makes it two to two. Walks Travis Darno. We get the second mound visit of the inning without a pitching change, which I didn't even know you could do that. I thought you only got like one mound visit during the inning, and then the second time you come out, you take them out. That's how it is in high school and college. But uh, apparently, I don't watch enough baseball, so I should I should watch some more. Um, Dansby Swanson singles. It's three to two, Dodgers at that point and um when did this uh gavin lux play happen i need to find it because there's no way that they're calling this a hit i i refuse to believe that 
Well, there are no okay. Areas. It was the Austin Riley hit to to drive home the first run. That's insane to me. Okay, so when Austin Riley doubles Freddie Freeman to third base with one out, Gavin Lux, who's in center field for the the Dodgers, and I don't believe he's played very many games in the outfield to begin with. Um, he played six games in center field this year. He's primarily a shortstop. Now, LJ and I brought up the fact that we thought it was stupid. They were playing this game at 2 p.m. local time in L.A. So the, so the shadows and, on a Tuesday, shadows and sun are horrific there at this point. Ball gets hit in the center field. It starts to tail towards uh, right field a little bit, but Lux seems like he has a good uh, grasp of where the ball is. Must have lost it in the sun because then you see for a second he gets like the oh shit look on his face. And then when you see that, it's like, oh no, has to run back to the warning track, is looking for the ball, hits off of his glove, allows uh, Freddie Freeman to only advance one base because he he thought it was going to be caught. I mean, the ball was hit pretty high in the air. It was deep, but there was no reason why it wouldn't be caught. That would have been two outs instead, second and third. Then you get to Jock Peterson and Adam Duvall singles to tie it. Then Dansby Swanson comes up later in the inning. He singles. We get a bases loaded walk with two outs. Just oh, brutal for Walker Bueller. That would be it for him after four runs score in the fourth inning. Uh, LJ, I was told that only Garrett Cole could have a bad playoff start. So um, when can we start giving uh, Walker Bueller crap for this, for seven hits and three and two-thirds innings? Because I was told as a Yankees fan that there, that only only Garrett Cole pitches bad in the playoffs. Look, I mean, I think the difference is, like, this guy's been – Correct me if I'm wrong, but from the sounds of it, Garrett Cole's been winning uh, Cy Youngs since he was at, like, UCLA, right? I don't think Walker Buehler has a Cy Young either. No, but at least he's on the track for it. And Walker Buehler isn't? No, Walker Buehler is. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, you Uh, bastard. They're, they're both going to finish second or third. So, <laughs> uh, real, Realistically, though, if Walker Buehler doesn't get at least one, something's gone wrong. No, no yeah, you're, you're right. That was pretty much the first bad postseason start he's had since, like, 2018. So. And the fact that he's been pitching regular postseason starts since he was 23 years old is also amazing. You're right. Um, anyways, Dodgers bring in who they bring in Alex Vesia to get that one out for the fourth. Corey Knable comes in in the fifth, still uh, with the Braves up four to two, and he allows a run to score. He did not have his stuff today. Ozzy Albi single, then he steals second. Uh, Austin Riley walks, Jock Pearson fly out. That's it for him. So he only gets one out. They bring in Phil Bickford, who gets out of the inning but allows a hit and that run to score, which gets credited to Corey Knable, makes it 5-2. Two, uh, two. 
So he only goes two thirds of an inning. Next inning, they bring in Justin Brule, who only goes, who only gets two outs. Then Joe Kelly to finish off the inning for one batter, which he strikes out. If you're following a pattern here, the Dodgers use five pitchers in a row, and not a single one of them got more than two outs, which prompts Buster Olney, LJ, someone who would I be wrong in saying that is extremely respected in the baseball community? Yes. Tweets this. There is a desperate need for the MLB, the Players Association, to talk about all the pitching changes and restoring the, I don't even know what this preeminence, the preeminence of the starting pitchers. It'd be better for the product. It'd be better for the union, given the importance of starters and setting market prices. He says, Limit the managers to the use of five pitchers per nine innings with obvious exceptions for injuries slash blowouts. I've got multiple questions. I'm going to start with the last one that came up. What are you considering a blowout? Right. He never even like quantifies this. He never says what, what, the rules would be he just says in the middle of this playoff game because he's pissed off at all the pitching changes to just institute this rule as if they didn't already do this like two years ago with the three batter and, and it hasn't already ruined the game lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. Like, I know that, uh, he took a lot of shit on Twitter for this. Go and, go and find this tweet, who, who if you're listening to this right now, and just read the replies. Like, I don't even need to read some of these. Why is it that every time a small market team, this is what someone said, every time a small market team finds a way to level the playing field within the existing rules, baseball's elite first thought is to change those rules to favor the big market teams again. <laughs> and, you know, it brings up the question, you know, LJ, we talked about that double DH or the uh, DH, like double switch, whatever the rule was, the hook thing that, that, mm-hmm. that, uh, Bud Black wanted where if there's a universal DH, once you pull your starting pitcher, that DH is gone from the and game. And honestly, I like that a lot. I uh, see, I don't because let's say you go down five nothing in like the second inning, and then you pull your starting pitcher. In a lot of teams' cases, at least some teams' cases, that could be your best hitter, which is just gone now. Well, just gone. I, well no, I should I should say. I think that with that also has to come some changes to uh, roster rule as well. 
How about I, we I, just keep it how it, it is? Like there's nerves. No, no again, I'm fine. I'm fine with it being kept as is, but I do think it would would not be a bad idea to give teams some incentive because as much as what he is what he is suggesting is absolutely crazy. Five pitchers, min, a maximum of five pitchers is absolutely through insane. the first nine innings. Remember, yes, is absolutely insane. Three batter minimum is also insane. The situations in which we see what happens here, rarely. It's very rare. And so. And the three batter minimum is, of course, still in effect for all these guys. It just so happened that they either finished the inning or faced three batters and then needed to be pulled. Yep. And, but. So this is a terrible idea by Mr. Oli. I do not support this, what he's asking for in any way, shape, or form. However, when he says we need to bring back something of, or not, I mean, the preeminence, yes, but I'm not sure that's necessarily the thing because I don't think it's necessarily the starter. We need to bring back the value of a long innings guy. Bullpen games are, no one's, no one's really directly blaming them but they can in most cases be directly blamed for the what do you call it what's the word i'm looking for oh pace of play because you are making so many pitching changes in these guys only make making it so long i think to have a, a guy go four or five is, is definitely a plus and so especially i think at the time when um this was first kicked around I thought it was a great idea for the National League because one of the strengths of baseball is the fact that unlike the East and West in the NBA and the NHL, unlike the AFC and the NFC in football, there is slight differentiation. At one point, these were two different leagues that came together at the end of the year. And I like the fact, I like the fact that there is a little bit of, of a difference between the way the two, two games play, the way the rules work out and so especially when people will be mad about dh coming to the national league i don't think it's a bad idea to see that rule come in but what i would change with that rule coming in is i would be more lenient with changes with the dh because the dh is a gigantic pain in the butt to um work around in terms of moving positions the dh needs to be now looked at as its own position if you want to move the DH into your lineup after he's done, you shouldn't be able to stop stop him. And you like, shouldn't have to lose that position. What? Like, are you saying, like, let's say, because there's teams that do this where they have the player at DH and then they, like, put that player, right? You can do that, right? You can put the player into the field, but you just lose the DH. Yes. And I, what I'm what I'm suggesting is get rid of this whole lose the DH issue across the board because that just makes little to no sense. It should be treated as any other position. And you can just but, like put anyone in that during in that position during the game, whenever. So like if I want to take my well, shortstop and make him the DH during the middle of the game and put my DH at shortstop, it's yes. the position. However, the only the only difference would be guys coming into the lineup. That should stay the same. A new, yeah, like a new substitution, yes. But if it's the same, yeah. one of the same if, players. If you're, yeah. put, if you're putting the left fielder into the DH and swapping him out with somebody and moving that around, that should be fine. 
But as far as I'm concerned, you can't say that the best hitter, you can't say that every single team is deep one through nine with the exception of the Dodgers. The Dodgers are an anomaly that I refuse to acknowledge. So we're going to ignore them for right now. And you cannot tell me that every single position on every single baseball team is a position of strength. You cannot tell me that if the Red Sox had to, when they pulled their starter, move J.D. Martinez to right and pull Hunter Renfro out of the game, they wouldn't do it because he's too valuable to the game? No. LJ, I don't know if you saw me smile because I just thought of something, which as much as I love your idea, can you imagine what Kevin Cash would do with this? He would be switching. He would be moving players around to this position, literally every batter. He would take the worst fielder like out of the game, put in a better fielder that suits this player's tendencies better, be running the four-man outfield, and then take the player out, put the DH in. He would have an absolute field day with that. Even on days where he didn't want to do that much work and he just wanted to give guys rest, he can take because, – because basically his entire infield plays shortstop, they can all just rotate inning by inning. Oh, my God. Box score nightmare. Just imagine you see – because it shows the position changes. Just a massive just list. DH second. DH second. Oh, great. But, yeah, um, do, you see what, do you see what I mean? I just, I just think, especially if it were to just be the National League, I like the idea. Because it's cool. I've never really nice, thought about that that way. It's a nice – bridge i think from no dh to dh to be able to have the pseudo dh for the national league agreed uh we can certainly talk about that in the off season as for now where we left off in the game it's right there's a game there is five to two dodgers no five to two braves through the fifth inning uh, inning six and seven are scoreless. Top of the eighth is also scoreless for Atlanta. Bottom eight, the Dodgers uh, start to get something going against Luke Jackson, who comes in for Atlanta. Will Smith, the catcher, he singles the lead off the inning. Justin Turner pops out. So now there's one out, runner on first. A.J. Pollock singles. To set up first and second with one out, and who but Cody Bellinger stepping Welcome to, the, to the hotel California. Such a lovely place. Such a lovely place. Cody Bellinger rips another huge, huge hit this postseason, saving the Dodgers' season. To tie the game with a three-run home run on a pitch that was way up out of the strike zone. Just absolutely tomahawks this ball to tie the game to avoid the Dodgers from potentially falling down 3-0. It's worth noting right after this, Chris Taylor singles. Mookie Betts ends up doubling him home later in the inning, and the Dodgers take a 6-5 lead. Dodger Stadium was rocking as all the fans had showed up in the sixth inning. They missed 
all the controversy, everything that happened in the fifth, fourth, and in the fourth and fifth. Dodger Stadium was full at that point. They get to see Mookie Betts and Cody Ballinger uh, take the lead and save their season and not falling down 3-0. And that'd be your final score, 6-5. Kenley Jansen shuts the door. Of course he does. Such a lovely face, Cody Ballinger. Um, did he just save all these hits? Clearly. Like, you know, I would... He does nothing all year. Gets the entire fan base to hate their former MVP. Like, genuine ire for this guy because, first off, props to David Roberts for not giving up on him because that would be very easy to do at this point. With all of his struggles, I think we called for it multiple times throughout the year. They stayed, He stayed strong knowing that, you know, there still really is a very quality player left in, left in him. And he, it's, it's coming out right now, 286 average, 1.159 OPS in this series. He, he's back. And, he, and, like, people forget he's only 26. <laughs> like, feels like this man has gone through an entire career already just because we've seen him so much and talked about him so much. He's only, it's only his fifth year in the league. Like, he's – sure, his 45 OPS plus in the regular season, you don't need to look at that because in the postseason he comes up when it matters. <laughs> Brandon, I just noticed this. He has one more hit this season than he did last season. They played 60 games last season. LJ, he had 112 more at-bats this year. And he and he wasn't good last year. He was good last year, but he wasn't crazy last year. Like, yeah. Yikes. That's funny. Well, big hit. The Dodgers go up, uh, or the Dodgers win 6-5. Atlanta keeps a 2-1 series lead, but tomorrow, well, it's today for you guys listening, at 8 o'clock, it will be Julio Urias to take on TBD for Atlanta. Uh, I forgot to preview Astros Red Sox. It will be Framber Valdez and Chris Sale at 5.08 Eastern for Game 5 in Fenway. Game 4 in L.A., though, for uh, Julio Urias versus TBD. Game 5 on Thursday, which is in L.A., uh, which is necessary now after this game. Uh, so the Dodgers have two more home games, uh, at least to save their season here. Uh, all I'm praying for, LJ, if the Braves win today and go up 3-1, it's over for it's over for Atlanta. It is. That's honestly why I wanted to see them win tonight, because at that point I was also ready to pronounce Atlanta dead. If so it's almost good out. that they're going to lose these next two. So it's almost good that they lost tonight, is what you're saying, because a three zero series lead less less humiliating to blow than a three one twice. Actually, is it? Is it? Would you rather blow a 3-1 and then a 3-0 or to do the same thing twice? Because that technically is the definition of insanity. Well, same thing. I mean, 3-1 and then 3-0 to the same team in the same series in consecutive years is torture. 
but a 3-0 series. Yikes. Brandon's out here speaking from experience. I'm so happy I was two years old when that happened. If that happened like this season, I, I actually would never quit the show. What's that? You would have quit the show. Yes. No, you would have had to take the whole rest of the show. It would have just been. I I I maybe would have died. It <laughs> um we do have actually we're not doing bad on time. We have a good 10 minutes here. Um let's talk about it. The elephant in the room. Aaron Boone has been re-signed by the Yankees on a three-year deal. Um Look, I'm I'm gonna start off. Oh, it's it's a three year deal, club option for the 2025 season. His contract had uh, been set to expire after the World Series. So I go to my 8 a.m. class this morning, which first of all should not exist, and I'm tired and I just don't want to be there. And the first thing I get on my phone or on my phone is Aaron Boone to return to the Yankees. And I'm just like, oh, this is a fantastic start to the day. Throughout the day, I've been reading a lot of Yankees blogs, Twitter, podcasts, listening to that stuff. It has grown on me a lot. And I'm going to lay it out right here, LJ, for you. Aaron Boone, sure. Did he make some questionable moves in the regular season? Absolutely. Has he made questionable moves as the manager of the last few years? Absolutely. And there is no debating that. However, LJ, do you know that he is the winningest manager in Yankees franchise history when it comes to win-loss percentage? Did you know that? No. Okay. Now, When you look at the roster that he was given, is it his fault that Joey Gallo hit 165 with the Yankees when he came over? No. Is it Aaron Boone's fault for mismanaging the bullpen? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Is it Aaron Boone's fault for making DJ LeMayhew, for whatever reason, just want to smash the ball into the ground every at-bat and hit into a double play? No. It is an analytic and philosophy thing. And what Aaron Boone is good at is the analytics people tell him, put this game plan in place. And he is a yes man. And he will put the game plan in place that these analytics, this anonymous analytics department for the Yankees have to to put in place. Does Aaron Boone do a good job at motivating the players? Absolutely not, no. And that's important as a manager. So if you can't tell, I'm very split here. At first, I absolutely hated this move. But to be honest, over the last few days, I knew he was coming back. All the beat reporters were talking about it. They're like, you know, there's there's a pretty good chance he's coming back. I, I didn't want to believe it. I was just like, okay, like, sure. Like, yeah, they're just saying it. Now that he's back, 
I guess I'm more surprised. I'm not surprised that he's back because like we we kind of just knew this was going to happen. I'm more surprised at the length of the contract. The length of the contract kind of seems like an FU to the fans who do think that he shouldn't be the manager. But at the same time, LJ, how many times have me and you, and I'm sure your dad thinks the same way and a lot of other people, Boone is a, he, he's a puppet. Like I just said, he puts the game plan in place. He's not the one that makes a lineup. Really, to me, all a manager does in the modern game is one, manage the bullpen, which is part on the manager and part on the analytics now because a lot of it is just a set game plan on who's available for that day. Two. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Manage the personalities in the clubhouse slash uh motivate players which is a very important part of the job Crucial. But other than but other than that in terms of in-game management there is not a lot for them anymore and based on what brian cashman had to say in the press conference today he said that he wa- he's gonna he wants to change the team add contact bats add more athletes uh and give Boone a more flexible team to work with. According to Brian Cashman, if Aaron Boone was a free agent, he would be the number one sought after manager on the market right now, which whether you want to believe that or not for the GM to openly say something like that, that everyone can go and see, they clearly have confidence in them and they know a hell of a lot more about baseball and a lot more about him as a person than I do. So am I mad? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely mad, I guess. Look, they fired Phil Nevin, the third base coach, who was Boone's guy that he brought over. When they hired Boone, they said you can like bring two coaches. One of them was Phil Nevin. Uh, they also fire hitting coach Marcus Timms after a dismal hitting performance. But LJ, I'm going to let you talk in a minute. I'm sorry. I know I'm long-winded. I just want to get all my thoughts out here. Is Aaron Boone in the cage with these guys saying, do this with your swing? No. There's hitting coordinators, hitting coaches, special hitting assistants. And for a lot of that, while some, while some, yes, he should be guiding in part the direction of the team with those coaches. 
but from every indication you've gotten out of the way the Yankees operate, that is not in his hands either. Right. So, sure, it's been very disappointing since he took over. And 2018 was brutal to lose in the DS after a 100-win season. 2019, brutal to lose in the CS after a 100-win season. 2020, we're not going to talk about. That was just a stupid, crazy year. This year, very, very disappointing. But to put, like, for the fans that genuinely think that this guy is the sole reason why we why we didn't do anything this year is crazy because it, it, it's actually nuts. If you're going to point fingers at anyone, it's, it's Brian Cashman. And you don't dare at this point. I don't want to hear anything about how Steinbrenner because Brian Cashman said it best. The amount of money that the Steinbrenners fork over to the Yankees every single year for the payroll is absurd compared to most teams, what they get. So it's where that money is going. And I get it's the Yankees and they didn't go over the luxury tax. They still had a $208 million payroll and we're getting laps run around us by a $60 million payroll team. So uh, bringing back the manager, look, if you think that this is your guy, be confident in it like they are and do this. Like, I'm fine with that. They didn't, you know, they completely said, this is our guy. We're going to go for it. And at this point now, it's on the front office to give him a team to work with. I'm going to challenge you slightly on the Hal Steinbrenner should not face criticism thing, because at the same time, while maybe he shouldn't put more money in again, we, we just think we just talked about this like two nights ago in the uh, postmortem for the Yankees that they need to, if they're going, if they're not going to spend $300 million each year, on this payroll just to be able to buy their way out of every problem, then they can't give good old boy contracts to guys who've just been decent. They can't, they cannot just fork out money to whoever they choose. They need to be a lot, a lot more smart, smarter, a lot more strategic into where all of that contract money goes to be able but to it, have. But is that how, or is that the front no, office? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is they need to be wiser with the money, not more money. Right. More money is not going to make the issue. However, where Hal comes in, if he wanted to put a stop to this, he could. He could put Cashman out of his misery if he wanted to. That's where the very fair um, issue with Hal Steinbrenner comes in. Is he could stop if, if this is truly the if there truly is a problem with the front office, he could put a stand to it right now if he actually wanted to, but he doesn't. That, that is the fair criticism of him. As for my thoughts on the Boone thing, I see this very similar to something like the Aaron Hicks contract, which I keep bringing up because I think it's just a good, it feels like a good analogy for where this team is investing in themselves. Brandon, you just said, based on the way that the Yankees operate, there are two primary spots in which he should be a focus. Managing the bullpen with the players he's given that day and player motivation and managing the locker room. 
And you just flat out told me he has not done a good job with either of the two things he's been put in charge of. He is good at keeping the locker room happy. The, the team is never so down on themselves that they start to spiral downwards. There's never been a report of a, like a toxic clubhouse or anything, which to me is a success. This isn't, this is no Jace Tingler where the entire club hates him. Like he is a very well-liked person. I think that that's in, that that's important. Yes. Yes, it is. But I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just the optic of this that's skewing my thoughts. But it feels like the Yankees, this is just the Yankees again, playing the role of that kid that peed the bed in the middle of the night and was too embarrassed to tell his parents yet that he peed the bed, so he just lays in it the entire night. They did the same thing with the Andrew Heaney trade, where they decided, okay, this is going to be the fix. This is going to help our depth and our starting rotation. They make this trade. It doesn't work out rather than abandoning it and doing what it takes to just win without caring what you look like. They instead hold on to him until almost the end of the year. Now let's think about the fact that Aaron Boone, Joe Girardi gets fired after making the ALCS with a roster way younger than anyone was expecting making the ALCS. Everyone thinks that this is the beginning of a potential dynasty They've certainly got the talent to do it. And while the philosophy issues and those types of moves, getting getting that ace, that Garrett Cole type pitcher in a timely manner, while that didn't happen and that held them back, he was not a significant addition to that. He certainly didn't help them get where they want to go. And so I just don't see how he has been a major plus to this team. He has not been in a... a large addition to this team they have not reached where they wanted to be while he is not being a large addition to the team and so why would you give him another three years to do the same thing and that's the thing that that makes that that's the one reason where i'm mad the three years plus the option so it's just basically four years i mean it, it's 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 a four-year deal and then you could say oh well brandon like you you do realize you can fire a manager at any point Show me when the Yankees have ever fired a coach prior to their contract expiring. It just doesn't happen in the Yankees franchise. So that's where it's an F you to the fans, because you're right. He hasn't brought us to where we want to be. But I'm going to say that a lot of that goes on the front office and the coaching staff more so than him. Yes, but yes. But why, regardless of that, why would you keep a guy around that is not moving you is not being an addition to that because they think that if they put a correct at minimum minimum, he is a net zero for this club or even a net like five out of a hundred or whatever we want to say in terms of he is the middle line of this club why would you stick with the middle line when you could try to go out and get somebody that granted while he may be worse he also could be better and could push this club farther because of his leadership that that's where I don't understand it's like Aaron Hicks very a good player but he wasn't a superstar you give a guy you give a guy an eight year extension make sure he's there for eight years based on not a ton of 
production, not superstar quality production. And yet you lock yourself in for eight years of payment, eight years of him being on the team. That just doesn't seem to be a wise strategy, in my opinion, to get the job done. You're right. And it makes sense. Um, And it would be different too, if they were winning world series and he was a net zero on the team, because if, if, if it's, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And it would be different if he was the God's gift to coaching and they were still only getting into the, to the DS every year. But the fact that he isn't make doesn't feel to me he's making a truly positive impact on the team and they're not getting to where they wanted to be. That 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 is plenty justification to fire a guy. You're right. Uh, I just feel like, at least in my mind, they're the front office realizes that it's been a lot of it on them. And look, the thing is, like to to touch on your early point about like Hal and Cashman, Brian Cashman will never be fired. He will step down the day when, when he is done, he will say when he is done. This is like Theo Epstein Red Sox, where he has such job security that no matter what happens, this guy is always going to be in Steinbrenner's pocket and just will never ever have to worry about being fired with that said maybe that's why we made riskier moves with the front office and now cashman realizes okay we have a manager that the organization clearly likes and they think that he can take us uh like into the post or deep into the postseason i don't doubt that we were one, two games away from a World Series in 2019. I don't blame that on Boone. He brought in a Roldis Chapman. Like, that's, that's not a bad move. It's the roster makeup, and Cashman said it. It's all about giving him more flexibility. So now it's on you. You have from October 20th to March 31st, which is opening day 2022, to show Yankee fans what you're going to do. And I know talk is cheap or whatever, but to hear them say that, they're all in now. And with how mad Yankee fans are, there will be lots of rumors swirling. And I'm assuming big moves made this offseason, not specifically maybe big-name players, but just names getting traded, names getting swirled around that you wouldn't even think about right now because they seem like they're in panic mode and almost in a good way where they're like, okay, we see what we have. We're going to hopefully hire a hitting coach that's the equivalent of like what we got in Matt Blake as a pitching coach, which worked out fantastic for us. I mean, our pitching this year was our, our obviously the best part of our team, which going into the year, no one was thinking that. If they can find the right pieces, this can work. It's all about finding the right pieces. And if they think that Boone is the guy, we're going to leave it at that. Boone's, the, you know, clearly – 
they think he's the guy. It's just the contract length that can be a bit frustrating to people. But like I said, that's the the team is putting a lot of faith into into him, and it, it is what it is. Brandon, I think you might have swayed me here with that last section on Brian Cashman over the last several years. And from my point of view, if I were a Yankee fan, I'm not sure I can be all that mad with the system and all of that because you make you make a really good point with the fact that there is a comfortability that Brian Cashman has with that position right now in his job security. And in my head, as I just talked about, okay, go go get a new manager because if this guy is just medium, that doesn't do you any good. You need somebody who's going to be awesome. Even if you end up missing and finding something terrible, you're more likely to get somebody awesome by getting a new coach than keeping with the same middle ground guy you had. From that same principle, it almost feels like this could, and this is part, this is kind of speculation, but this could be a matter of, okay, Brian Cashman felt very strongly that if we go all in on this direction for the franchise, this is going to lead to multiple World Series rings. This could can only hope. Like, oh, he certainly wouldn't do it without thinking, but like, this is certainly, I think this was a more radical theoretical plan than most other general managers would be willing to take on, and it didn't work. And so because it didn't work, maybe he's doing this a little too late, but he's at least moving on from it now. So I cannot necessarily blame him for swinging for the fences with this um, approach to, to roster building and game management and all of that if that is what he was doing. But then again, he also could have just been, you know, just follow, trying to follow along with the rest of the league the best he could and not doing a good job with that. But both sides are probably equally likely. Well, enough about that. And as we wrap this up, I just saw something that's very funny. LJ, I'm not sure if you caught this during the Braves-Dodgers game. Albert Pujols using the bullpen phone. It, I'm not sure if you saw this. No. John Boy does a lip reading here, and he's saying, talking to, I believe, the Dodgers bench coach. Um, yes, Bob, Bob, Bob Guerin, the, 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 the Dodgers bench coach. He says, Bob, who do we want up? As he has the phone in his hand, talking to talking through the bullpen phone. And I'm like, this just makes so much sense right now. It just, Albert Pujols taking over in the middle of a playoff game. And it's like, no, I, I'm, I am picking up the bullpen phone and I am telling them who we're getting up, not the bench coach. I am doing it. I just tagged you in the tweet. Uh, absolute great. Great. That is fantastic. Fantastic, Albert. I, I love our pool holes. Premium Albert pool holes. That, 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 that was pretty funny, I got to admit. Great way to end the show. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to recap uh, 
Astros, Red Sox, Dodgers, Braves once again. And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll probably get to some postmortems tomorrow for sure, as we won't have anything else to talk about, at least I hope. Uh, yeah, we'll see. You. Have a good one. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com.